You're listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. Notes for today's sermon are available by downloading the GFC Florida app. Isn't it incredible that we get to serve a God that can bring dead things back to life? Which means there's nothing that he can't do. Which means at a time like this when the world doesn't make sense, we have a God who still loves us, who still cares for us. In fact, just to start off today, I just wanna start off in prayer because there's a lot of things going on that just don't make sense. God, we thank you that we, we know that you are God, but we pray right now for all the things in the world that are going on that are the worst of humanity. God, the things that don't make sense, the things that scare us, the things that bring fear into our hearts, and God, for all of those in those areas right now that are dealing with the pain of loss. God, we pray for them. We pray for the lost. We pray for the families right now who are grieving. And God, we pray for only what you can do is to change the hearts and the minds of those involved. God, we know that you can do that. God, please bring us peace in a time where there seems like there is no peace. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Yeah. You may be seated. Well, my name is Hal Mayer, and I'm the uh, discipleship pastor here at Grace Family Church. And just like to welcome all of you here today, all of you here this week, and those of you that are watching online, of course, at all of our seven, soon to be eight campuses, as we are, we're in our second week of our series called Grit. If you missed it last week, uh, Pastor Dill did an incredible job talking about grit, talking about James 1. And if you're missing it, we still have the podcast going, and we talked about that and just went in depth a little bit more into that. And this week, I'm going to be going a little bit more into what grit looks like, what a godly grit looks like. And I'll go ahead and say this up front just to let you know, I'm gonna be speaking to men directly. Okay, now, now ladies, that doesn't mean it's not for you. Anytime we open up God's word, there's something for everybody. But I am gonna be speaking to men directly. And here's the reason why, because as a man, I know this, that if you don't tell, it, tell me it's for me, I'm gonna assume it's for somebody else. In fact, I'll send it to some other people that I think need it. But this is for men because I believe grit is something that is so hard for a man to do. There's times in life where we feel like we are right where we need to be and there is times where we go, I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. I know this because I had some friends who were, were enlisted, they were in the military and I still remember coming out of high school, uh, they went into the military and then we had the war in Afghanistan. These were incredible guys, young men, they went off and they went off into the war and they experienced war. And I remember they came back and they came back for two different reasons. I got to catch up with them years later. I remember having a conversation with them and them talking about the, the terrors of it, the dreams that they still had from war, the, the things that they had to do and what they saw and some of them, the injuries that they still had. And they said how it was an atrocity to be able to go through that. He goes, now I would rather be home. He goes, but the hardest thing is, he goes, at least at war, I understood what I was supposed to do. At least I knew who my enemy was. At least I knew where the target was. They go, I come home with my family and I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know who I'm supposed to be. I remember sitting there because both of them have thought about ending it all because they just have a lack of purpose. 
See, and the reason we're talking about this today is that's not just with people who have been in the military. That's not just men who've gone through that. This is just us in general. We lack purpose. We, we don't understand what we're supposed to do. And many times when we don't understand what we're supposed to do, what do we end up doing? We end up slowly killing ourselves. I mean, we see men do this. We do this all the time. We slowly kill ourselves or we clear, kill the relationships around us. We, we get involved in things because we don't know what we ought to do, so we do what's right in front of us. You see, what I wanna talk about today is I wanna talk about a man who went through something very similar, but somehow found a godly grit to continue to go. See, this, this young man, his, his country was torn apart by war and he was brought back as a slave. We, we don't know what happened to his family, but we know his family died at some point. Not only did his family die, but he, his ability to have a family was taken away from him and he was forced to serve a godless king. The guy that we're gonna be talking about today is a guy that we talked about this summer, his name is Daniel. And Daniel is a guy that somehow, in the midst of the worst circumstances that anybody could walk through, had a godly grit that allowed him to follow after God even when the world around him did not seem to want him to succeed. And what he had in him is the same thing and the same opportunity we have for all of us. And here's what's interesting is when you have that godly grit inside of you, people around you notice. They notice, they may not be able to explain it, but they notice, and we see that happen in Daniel 4, 8, and 9. The king here, King Nebuchadnezzar, is trying to explain what he sees in Daniel. He says this, he says, at last Daniel came in before me, and I told him the dream. He was named Belshazzar after my God. Basically, the other side of it is they changed Daniel's name to basically mean Satan's prince. He says, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. I said to him, Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, this is Daniel, I know that you have the spirit of the holy gods in you and it is no mystery that is too great for you to solve. Now tell me what my dream means. Now Nebuchadnezzar says spirit of the holy gods, we know it as what? The Holy Spirit. See what Daniel had inside of him is the same opportunity the same person that we have inside of us that can give us the godly grit to keep going and to do what God has called us to do. Like I said, our natural desires are self-destructive desires, but what the Holy Spirit does is he comes into our life and he changes our desires. Isn't it amazing to see somebody who gives their life to Christ and all of a sudden they're doing things they've never done before? It's like they're reading their Bible and they would make fun of people that read their Bible before that. They're going to church, they're bringing their family to church, they're spending time in prayer, but they never understood before. Why? Because the Holy Spirit started to change their desires, started to change who they were. See, what the Holy Spirit does is he gives us a grit to continue to go forward even when we're not sure what's ahead of us. He, he shows us which way to go, but even though we don't see the destination, he allows us to move forward in. And so what we're gonna be talking about is four attributes of grit. Four attributes of grit that the Holy Spirit gives us, but four attributes of grit that we should be asking the Holy Spirit for so that we can live the life that God wants for us. And here's the first attribute, and it is the hardest attribute, I think, because the world does not want us to have this attribute. It's contentment. Contentment. Right, that's the opposite. The, the world says, no, 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 you don't need to be content. You should always want more. And what is contentment? Well, the test of contentment is this, is will I live the life that God has called me to live even if it doesn't look like the life that I wanted? Even if it doesn't look like the life that I wanted, because if we're all honest, none of us got our life that we wanted. And here's what I mean by that. I'm not saying like, as you've gotten older, you've looked back and gone, I see what God has done. But as you're going throughout life, the things that you wanted, did you get all of them? 
No, nobody ever got their first round draft pick life, everything that they wanted to happen every single time. We, we didn't have that happen, but how do we react when things go that way? And when we look at Daniel, Daniel had the same problem. Did Daniel have a reason not to be content? Absolutely. He was taken from his homeland. He, he was not allowed to have a, a family. He was, his name was changed. On top of it, you may complain about your boss. You may think you have an awful boss. But my guess is your boss has never thrown you into a lion's den because you didn't pray to them. They may have yelled at you. Like Daniel served a demon king. And so contentedness, it's, it's a test for every man in every season of life. And what we see throughout life, we see this. We have levels of, of discontent in a man's life. We see this in all areas of life, in a young man's life. A guy that's starting off a man in his 20s, we see a lack of content in so many, right? We see a lack of content. What does a lack of content look like? Well, I didn't get into the college that I wanted to. I didn't get the job that I wanted to. And so because I didn't get those things, I'm just not going to go. I'm not gonna start. And so their trinity is no longer the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's video games, porn, and alcohol. And what I'm gonna do is instead of trying to build a legacy, I'm just gonna build some debt. And what has happened is what we see, and there's a dilemma in the world today where we see young men who are refusing to go out because they are not content with where they're at in that moment. We see that. We see it later on in life. We have it in the, the 30s and 40s. We've got a nice name for it. What is it called? Midlife crisis, right? You get into it, all of a sudden the man realizes, wait, I didn't have the job that I wanted, right? I didn't get the promotion that I wanted. I didn't get the wife that I wanted, or I got the wife that I wanted, then she turned out to be somebody different. Or I didn't get the kids that I wanted. Or you got kids, but they just don't revere you and honor you like you think they should and listen to everything that you say. And so what happens, we become discontent. So what do we do? We revert back to adolescence. We have a rebellion period where we go out and we cheat on our wives and we buy things that we shouldn't buy. And everybody's like, oh, they're just having a midlife crisis. Yeah, no, they're just killing their life. And then the thing that we never talk about is at the end of life, because I think we should focus on that. I think all of us should have somebody that's towards the end of life that we go, I wanna be like that person. Because have you seen a man that lived a life of discontent? We know who they are, they're grumpy. Grumpy, angry men who hang around with other grumpy, angry men and talk about their ex-wife in politics. <laughs> and what should have happened and what could have happened if life just would have gone their way. You know what's interesting about discontent? It keeps you exactly where you are. It never allows you to move forward. See, an area of discontentment, why we need to look at our hearts and look at our lives and find out where we're discontent is wherever we are discontent as men is a ticking time bomb. Something that is getting ready to take us out if we don't pay attention to it. Daniel is, discontent, is not discontent, Daniel is content. How in the world is Daniel content in this moment? Well, he has the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit brings contentment. You know, wanna know how that happens? He reminds us of what we actually deserve. Because it's so easy. The most dangerous things that can come out of a man's mouth is I deserve this. You know what the Holy Spirit says? You deserve nothing. It says you've sinned. You know what, you know what I deserve? I deserve hell, but what did God give me? Grace and mercy. So the sheer fact that I have that, I should understand, I should be content in that. And the Holy Spirit reminds me, hey, you know, while everything is not perfect here, one day it will be. 
One day things will be better. One day you'll get to be in heaven with God and your contentedness will be able to be at full capacity because you will be what God created you to be. But right now it may not look like it should look like, but that's okay because God's still using you. God's still perfecting you. He reminds us of this. Guys, one of the best verses in the Bible is about contentedness, yet we use it the wrong way every single time. I'm about to ruin some of your days. <laughs> Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You know that's not about football? <laughs> it's not. It's not about doing anything physical. Paul was writing to the church in Philippi. He's actually talking about being content. He says this, he says, not that I have ever, I was ever in need for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. He says, I know how to live on almost nothing or everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty with plenty or little. For I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. What is he saying? Hey, no matter my situation, I have the ability to be content. Why? Because God gives me that power. Which means if you're wearing it on your eye black and the other team scores a touchdown, that means it's okay because God has something more for you. God says, I have the ability to give you that power. Why is this so important for men? Why is this so important for our congregation? Is because the areas where we are discontent are the areas that we are gonna fall. So areas that we allow the enemy in the most. So we ask the question, where am I discontent? We go to the Holy Spirit and we say, hey, where am I discontent? Please show me these areas. Please help me understand where I should be content and help me see the blessings that are already around me. So we, we make sure that we have a contentment. And when we are content of what God is doing, then we can take this next step and we can have a holy conviction. Conviction. That's the second key to a godly grit is conviction. Daniel had incredible conviction. Like even from early on, Daniel had incredible conviction. Like he, he went into the, to the, the main house and they were feeding him and he said, I can't eat this food because it was offered before false gods. It was before demon gods. He says, I can't eat this food. And the guy comes to him, he said, well, uh, we don't have much of a choice. He said, I may lose my life and you may lose yours. And I don't know about you, but if somebody said, either you switch diets or you die, I'd probably just switch diets. But Daniel goes, no, no, I can't do that. It started off in a small thing. Later on in life, we actually see Daniel being ganged up by the people around him. Here's what's crazy is they're mad that God is using him for big things. They're mad at how much he's moved up in the government. And so Daniel is an older man at this point. They're mad at him. So they go to the king and they, they go towards the king's pride and they say, king, you're so amazing. You're awesome. We think we should only be able to worship you. We think we should only be able to pray to you. In fact, if anybody prays to anybody else, they should be thrown in the lion's den. And the king, being very full of himself like they usually are, goes, you know what, that's a great idea. So he makes that rule. As we know, Daniel is somebody who prays. What I love is Daniel's response in verse 10 of chapter six. It says, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open towards Jerusalem. It didn't even, like he didn't even, it didn't even phase him. He just went home. He said he prayed three times a day, just as he had done before, giving thanks to his God. He didn't go, you know what? Maybe I'll close the windows now. He didn't pray about it. He didn't go, God, what do you want me to do? What did he do? He immediately went. His conviction was deep enough. He immediately went and he prayed. Now what happened? They captured him. They did, they said, hey, you did this wrong. The king was actually mad that it had happened. They threw him into the lion's den. God made the lions vegan. It was amazing. 
for a moment. And he gets taken out. He gets, he gets brought out the next morning. He lives. And what's incredible is he actually tells the king, he goes, if God doesn't deliver me, it doesn't matter. He's still God. That's conviction. That's conviction. See, our convictions many times aren't as strong as we think they are because our pain tolerance is so low. And here's what I mean by that is that we are always pushed to the edge of our conviction based on our pain tolerance because what the devil loves to do is on the edge of our pain, he goes, hey, there's something easier over here. And what we do is we think, oh, if I go over there, the pain will go away. But then when we go there, we realize, oh, wait, the pain's just waiting for us, except with more consequences. So what we have to do is we have to pay attention to our pain tolerance. We have to get ready for it. Actually, I'm gonna say it this way. We must prepare our answer before we take the test because we're gonna face tests. Guys, convictions aren't formed by accident. They're not formed by, you know, I just happened to believe this wholeheartedly. What happens in a life in a man when he is not ready for the test? Crisis happens. When we face something that we're not ready to take the test in, crisis happens. We're not ready for the test. So in a moment, we usually make the wrong decision. We've gotta be ready for the test. For example, if you're having a hard time in your life, finances are short, and then you go in and somebody in your business says, hey, I found a way to cheat the company. Are your convictions there? If you've been having an incredibly tough time with your wife, you've been fighting a lot, it's been very bad, and then all of a sudden your coworker goes, man, I don't know why she treats you that way, I would never treat you that way. Where are your convictions? Young men, when you know you need to date the way that God has told you to date, but you say, you know, I'm not gonna tell her where my boundaries over, I'm gonna go over to her house and just hope my boundaries stay. It's gonna fail every time. The problem is so many times we wait till the moment of the test to ask God for the help. It's kind of like this, I had a friend in college, and I'll just say this, and hear me on this. I think sometimes young, and I was in the same place, young men especially that are trying to follow after God, and this guy's a pastor now, he loves God. Many times we end up doing things that sound good in our mind, that sound like big faith, but are just kind of dumb. And I'll explain. And so I went to him one day and I knew he had a big test the next day. And I said, hey, are you studying for your big test? Are you gonna pull an all-nighter? He goes, you know what? No, I've decided that I'm gonna extend my faith. I'm gonna really trust in God. I'm not gonna study at all. And just an hour before the test, I'm gonna pray really hard. I said, that sounds like laziness. He goes, no, it's gonna, it's gonna improve my faith. I am trusting God for this. I feel like I heard this from God. I'm like, I don't think you did. So the next day, he gets up an hour before the test. He prays incessantly the entire time. He goes and he takes the test. A couple hours later, he comes over and I go and talk to him. Like, how did the test go? He goes, I aced it. I'm kidding. No, he didn't. He failed it. (laughs) All the kids were like, done. Prayer, no, no more studying. That's all I have to do. No, he failed it. Why? Because he wasn't prepared for the test. Guys, how many times do we go into situations right before the situation? We go, God, please help me in this. And God's like, I've been trying to prepare you this entire time. Look, the mundane in life, the day-to-day in life has meaning as long as we're walking with the Holy Spirit. He is preparing you for something every single day that you may not see yet. He's preparing us for a test. He's getting us ready for it. See, what the Holy Spirit does is he makes us, it actually says in the Bible, he increases our endurance. James 1, 2 to 4 says this. It says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Not a giddy joy like, oh, yay, there's troubles, but an understanding that God's about to do some work. 
It says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Meaning this, that if you allow the Holy Spirit to walk with you throughout all of your days and teach you when you hit the trial, you will pass the test. You'll pass the test. So the question is this, where do you need to draw lines? Have you asked the Holy Spirit, hey, where are, my, where are my lines half erased? Where are my lines dotted? Where do I need to draw a line in my life? Because if I don't draw the line, if I don't have the conviction, I will fail the test. See, what conviction allows us to do is it helps us understand what we will do and what we won't do, which is allows us to have the third standard of a godly grit, which is courage. It's courage. See, Daniel had incredible courage, incredible courage. See, and here's what I mean by courage. It's the ability to tell the truth even when it's not easy. The ability to do what is right even when you feel like you shouldn't. Daniel was actually, uh, he was in a new kingdom. He actually, Daniel actually worked for four different kings. All of them crazy. Several of them tried to kill him. And so you, you got this situation. And at one point he's working for a king named King Belshazzar. And this guy didn't know Daniel. And all of a sudden he's having this big party and this floating hand literally starts writing on the wall. And I'm sure everybody in the moment's like, what is in this wine? You know? And so, oh, nobody thinks that's funny. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> You guys see that on a regular basis. Okay, I gotta come to y'all's houses. Uh, so, starts writing on the wall and it writes words that he doesn't understand. So he calls in the magicians and all that. They come in and they go, we don't know what it means. And all of a sudden the queen says, hey, there's this guy that was under the other reign. He has the ability to understand dreams. So she brings him in and the, the king basically says, hey, if you do this for me, I will give you robes. I will give you, I will give you titles. I will give you all these things. And Daniel goes, no, no, I'm gonna do these things because it's what's right. I'm gonna tell you the truth. And what Daniel had to tell this king is not something that was easy because I don't know about you, but when kings heard bad news, they killed the messenger. And here's what he had to say. The, the four words were mene, mene, tekel, parson. Mene means numbered are your days. Your days are numbered, king. Tekel means weighed is your life and God has found you wanting. And parson means this. He says, your kingdom will be divided by the Medes and the Persians. Basically, he's telling them, hey, you're about to die and your kingdom's gonna be split apart. And actually the next day that happened. See, Daniel understood that in that moment, it took courage to say what was right because it was God sending the message. Guys, we need to have courage to say what we believe in. Because men, there will be a day when your kids come and talk to you, where the people around you come and talk to you and they ask you the question, hey, do you really believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven? That Jesus is the only way to God? And our answer should be yes, but many times we're not sure. Well, I don't want, no, courage means I say what is true no matter the consequences. Courage means I do what is right even when I don't want to do it. Guys, courage, you know an area of life where we don't realize, maybe we don't use the word courage in it enough, but it requires a large amount of courage? Marriage. Marriage requires a large amount of courage to do what is right no matter what. 
Because, and here, here's the reason why I say that, because most of the time we go into marriage the wrong way. We go into marriage thinking we just signed a contract. And it's this idea that if you do what I want, then I'll do what you want. If you're nice to me, then I'll be nice to you. And we've got that contract going back and forth. What we don't understand is we didn't sign a contract. We made a covenant with God. And what God lines out for us is this. He goes, hey, you don't treat her the way that she's been treating you. You treat her the way that I want you to treat her because of what I've done for you. So the way I've loved you is the way you love her, no matter what she's doing which is not fun to hear. It's not easy to do, but can we be honest? That's the way I want her to treat me. I don't wanna get back what I've been giving many times. I know I'm not always loving. That's the way great marriages work, is both people love the other one, not based off of what they've done, because of what, based off of what God has done. And I'll be, I'll be honest with you guys right now. I'll, I'll just, just aside, just in honesty. Are, are my week, my, my, me and my wife, we've had, it was an okay week, but a little bit of back and forth. We had a kid do some stupid stuff like all kids do and we had disagreement on, anyway, it was kind of like a rocky week. And you know what I want? I want my wife to love me the way that God loves me. And I, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit right now because my, my wife picks out my outfit and I'm not sure if this shirt looks dumb. Like I was feeling okay about it, but then I came in a bunch of really sarcastic people I know were like, hey, nice shirt. I'm like, ah. <laughs> and I'm looking in the mirror. I'm like, do I look like somebody who has style or like an elderly Cuban man that's about to play dominoes? Like I'm not. Good, like are some of you confused? Like is he going to go ref a football game after this? Like. Don't worry, don't worry about my wife. She already has like a hundred women texting her right now going, it's great shirt. <laughs> but let's be honest. Let's be honest. The only way any relationship works is if we're treating them in a way that reflects God's love for us. So it takes courage to do what's right. The belief to stand up for what is right, no matter the consequences. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says it this way. It says, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. See, you can only be on guard for things that you understand are an issue, that you are prepared for. So in order to be courageous, what do we need to do? We need to ask the Holy Spirit, what are the things that I'm missing? What are the things that I'm not paying attention to? What are the things that are in my blind spots that are gonna sneak up on me in this moment? So we need to have courage. So what's interesting about this, this, last, this last point, this last part of, of grit is it's in place when all the things are happening, but it's also the beginning to all of those other things. I think it's the one that we, we fail so many times because, because it's tough for us to just stay, to just stay. And here's what it is, it's consistency. Can we just admit consistency is hard? It is hard. Most of us, we are really good at, at doing something right for a period of time. But consistency is tough. And, and I'll say this, I, I don't want you to take this the wrong way. I think many times though in church, we tend to, we tend to focus on the testimonies of like the, the crazy big faith, like the crazy big changes. 
And I'm not saying we, we shouldn't see those, like the ones where the person was like next to death, they were an addict and God brought them back, or the one where the family was falling apart and God brought them back. And those are things we should absolutely focus on. And those are things that we should go, man, God is incredible and he is powerful in that move. But we should also look at the power of God in the testimonies where people are just consistent, where they do the right thing, not perfect, but they do the right thing. And I'll, I'll say this, here's why. I don't care what your testimony is right now. What kind of testimony do you want for your kids? What kind of testimony do you want for your grandkids? What do I want? I want a boring testimony for my kids. I want it to be they followed after God. Yeah, they, they tripped a couple times, but they kept running. They got back up. They got the right people around them. And they kept going. Daniel has a consistent testimony. His book spans 70 years of his life. You know what's interesting is Daniel never saw what he wanted to see in the end, which was his homeland. He died as a slave. But for 70 years, he followed after God. And he got to see on three different occasions, the king go, Daniel's God is the only God and the only one that we're gonna serve. Now, he has a boring testimony, but he had a pretty exciting life. He got to see God do amazing things. He was actually visited by two different angels, Gabriel and Michael. He's mentioned by Jesus in the Bible. He got to write a book of the Bible. He had a pretty exciting life. And that's usually what happens with a little bit of a boring testimony. Is God continues to build something over time. See, I think as men, many times, we tend to overestimate what we can accomplish in an hour, in a day, in a week, and tend to underestimate what God can do in a decade and in a lifetime. The work that he can do. See, Daniel was successful because he stayed consistent. What was he consistent in? What do we know he was consistent in? We know every single day, three times a day, he went to his room, he bowed down, and he prayed to God. Daniel decided, hey, whatever the situation I'm gonna go through, I'm gonna go through it with God first. God, I need you in my life. God, I want you in my life. God, I need you to guide me with what I'm about to go through right now. Are we bringing God in on the beginning or are we bringing God in the after? God, I messed up. I need you to clean this up. He stayed consistent. He had, he had men that he did life with. We know of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that followed after God also. He had, he had community, he had consistency in his walk with God. See, I think one of the biggest keys to consistency is men, it's one of the hardest things that we have to do in life. It's to stop focusing on the past and just focus on the next day. Because God doesn't want you looking at your past. The only thing God wants you to do with your past is learn from it, not to feel guilt and shame from it, not to focus on it. In fact, what God would love for you to do more and more is today just go, all right, today I'm gonna read your word. Today I'm gonna pray to you. Today I'm gonna find a group of guys that I can do this life with. And I'm gonna be honest with them because I understand I need other men in my life. See, the key of consistency is not going, I'm gonna do this over this period. It's every single day choosing God and having other people in your life go, hey, you should choose God on a daily basis. So I think one of the most powerful one of the most powerful things is when the men of God come around to open up the word of God and ask the spirit of God to help them become more like the son of God every day. 
We need other men. We need God's word. And when we ask the Holy Spirit to be our guide, he helps us become more and more like Jesus every day. That's the consistency that we're talking about. Galatians 6, 9 to 10 reminds us of what consistency brings. It says, so let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. He's saying, you know, there's gonna be a moment where you think you're done. There's gonna be a moment when you want to give up. He's saying, do not give up because there will be a harvest. He says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. God promises a harvest. God promises more. See, Daniel, what he understood was there are way more rewards in heaven than there will ever be here on this earth. So he had these four things. He was content. We ask ourselves, where am I not content? God, please help me become content in that area. He had an incredible conviction. God, where do I need to draw the lines in my life so I continue to follow after you and I don't blow my life up? He had incredible courage and that he knew that he needed to speak the truth even when it wasn't easy. And he had the consistency, which means he chose every day, I'm gonna do this with God. So what's your next step? Which one do you need to focus on? And maybe your next step is just to find the men in your life that you need to do this with. Because we can't do this alone. But maybe for some of you, the reason it's not possible for you to do this yet is you don't have the Holy Spirit yet. See, we believe this, is that if we believe that Jesus is who he says he was, that he is the son of God, that he came down to this earth, that he died on the cross for our sins and rose three days later, if we believe that, if we ask for forgiveness, God forgives us of our sins, we get heaven. But not only that, he sends us the Holy Spirit to live this life with an incredible purpose. So if you're in this room and you have yet to make that decision, if you are online or at any of our campuses and you have yet to make that decision, what I wanna do very quickly here in just a moment is to say a prayer out loud that you can say quietly right where you're at and start that relationship with God. If we could right now, if we could bow our heads and close our eyes. If you wanna start that relationship, I'm gonna say this prayer out loud and you can say it quietly right where you sit and start this with him. Dear God, I know that I've sinned. Please forgive me. I believe in your son, Jesus, that he lived, that he died, and that he rose again. God, today I'm committing my life to you. God, give me the grit to do what you've called me to do. Give me the grit to build a godly legacy. God, thank you for giving me another chance. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you pray that prayer today, that is the best decision that you will make. And look, we would love to help you with some next steps. So right now I'm gonna ask the campus pastors to come up and close out the service. Thank you for listening to the Grace Family Church podcast. For more info, check out gfcflorida.com or connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 81313. We look forward to meeting you at one of our locations soon.